You're listening to the Legal Skinny Podcast with Trisha Barita. I'm a 16-year licensed practicing attorney in the state of Texas. I created Legal Skinny because when I've been invited to do educational seminars on different subjects in employment law and leadership topics, company leaders like CEOs, managers, and HR professionals would often ask me where can they find a little more information on this and a little more information on that. Look, I get it. There's a lot of resources out there. But sometimes it's confusing and people are so busy. Sometimes people only have 30 or 15 or maybe even 5 minutes in their day to devote to learning something new. On this podcast, you'll hear me have discussions and interviews on topics relevant to company leaders. Disclaimer though, Legal Skinny is for entertainment and informational purposes only. Not meant to provide legal advice and does not create an attorney-client relationship. Also remember change or they differ by jurisdiction. So this is not a substitute for seeking legal counsel in your jurisdiction on the current law applicable to you. Hello, friends. Welcome back to the Legal Skinny podcast. In recent news, the U.S. Equal Employment Opportunity Commission, or the EEOC, as we know, has asked permission to participate in the appeal by American women's soccer players that are trying to get their Equal Pay Act claim against the U.S. Soccer Federation reinstated. You see, they lost the claim at the lower court in a legal motion, and now it's on appeal. Now, the lawyers representing the American women's soccer players, they get 20 minutes to make their oral argument on March 7th, in Pasadena, California, in front of the Ninth Circuit Appeals Court. They've agreed to give up four of those minutes, four of the 20 minutes, to let the EEOC chime in. So why would they do that? (laughs) Well, you know, um, the EEOC doesn't just randomly join appeals. They have limited resources. And so they're careful where they spend those resources. So the fact that they're interested in in even coming and making an argument on behalf of the women's soccer players, um, it's it's a big deal. (laughs) So, um, of course, they gave up those four minutes so that they would have that opportunity to kind of plug the argument um, and support um, of the women's soccer players. So, you know, I've heard uh, from an EOC Texas representative, you know, when they've given sort of speeches related to what the EOC is focused on or, you know, tips regarding trial. And they, you know, and the gentleman that I saw speak explained that often what happens is the EOC is seeing a number of cases with violations and they want to send a message regarding the abuse or potential abuse of one of the types of laws that they um, are made, they have, um, have been made to protect individuals from issues like discrimination. Certainly a high profile case like this helps. And this all makes sense. And it's actually consistent with the EOC comments about this case, stating this case raises the important question of how to analyze the rate of pay under the EPA when there are multiple forms of salary, as well as the proper analysis of a discriminatory pay claim. Now, of course, The U.S. Soccer Federation is arguing that the Ninth Circuit is going to agree with the lower court because they're committed to equal pay and they believe they showed the lower court 
there was no violation under the Equal Pay Act. Of course, the women team players, the soccer players, they, you know, they continue to argue that they had not been paid equitably compared to what the men's team received. Now, both are referencing collective bargaining agreements, which is a much bigger discussion than I'm going to get into here. But in general, the EOC getting involved with this, you know, um, why, why should you care? Why do we care? It's because, you know, and I, you know, I know that because <laughs> likely you don't have soccer players as employees. So, you know, what does all this matter for the regular company leader? Well, the Equal Pay Act has been something the EEOC is focusing on more and more. You know, it's always on their radar, but in particular, in October of 2021, this past fall, the EEOC released a press release recognizing the EEOC's contribution to what they call a historic national strategy on gender equity and equality, part of the strategy released by the White House that the EEOC contributed to, um, which includes an outline of a roadmap to address longstanding gender discrimination and systematic barriers faced by women and girls. The EEOC Chair Charlotte Burroughs said, the COVID-19 pandemic's disparate impact on women generally and women of color in particular makes it more urgent than ever to ensure that gender is not a barrier to economic security and opportunities in the workplace. This strategy's goal to promote pay equity, eliminate harassment and other forms of employment discrimination, and support the nation's caregivers are all important EOC priorities. And the EOC is pleased to help implement this much needed strategy to advance equal opportunity for all. The EOC Vice Chair, Jocelyn Samuels said, the scope and breadth of the national strategy on gender and gender equity is unprecedented. This integrated approach of tackling the issue of gender equity in both domestic and foreign affairs, as well as recognizing intersectionality is a key component to the strategy's success. Then they go on to summarize the strategy. So they identify it as having three main sections, section one being they're going to establish the guiding principles that under under um, gird the strategy to advance gender equity and equality. Section two, they outline ten strategic priorities, including a subsection um, where they address persistent gender discrimination, systematic barriers for full workforce participation. You know, um, in particular, trying to determine if they can improve economic security and accelerate economic growth. Um, in combination with that. And then section three elaborates on the whole of government effort, which is required for the implementation to ensure that a focus on gender is mainstreamed across the work of the federal government. And the 10 interconnected priorities that they're going to tackle, they're they're pretty broad. Uh, One, economic security. Two, gender-based violence. Three, health. Four, education. Five, justice and immigration six, human rights and equity under the law, seven, security and humanitarian relief, eight, climate change, nine, science and technology, and 10, democracy, participation, and leadership. (laughs) Okay, (laughs) kind of huge. But okay, either way, let's see. You know, what you get from this, right, is that they're focused on this. They have come out. They've put press releases out there. They're getting involved in the soccer case. So this is sort of, you know, a shift occurring. 
And when this happens, and I've seen it happen many times in my career, uh, that's over 15 years as an attorney, you should take notice as a company leader that the EOC is focusing on something. Uh, and I, I kind of believe the EOC, when they decide to shift and focus on some something, they kind of start shopping around at what cases are being submitted to them or they're seeing in the courts um, that may be beneficial to further this agenda. And, you know, I can't speak for the federal government, but I can tell you, guess what? You don't want to be one of those cases, all right? So let's do the 101 on the Equal Pay Act, the EPA, right? The Equal Pay Act requires that men and women in the same workplace be given equal pay for equal work. The jobs need not be identical, but they must be substantially equal. This is a really important point I'll talk about in a minute. Job content, not job titles, determines whether jobs are substantially equal. This is important because you see a lot of people, um, you know, creating these job descriptions and then they identify different titles and try to distinguish the pay that way. And, you you know, that's going to be just looked at as illusory, you know, like, um, you know, it's it's really got to be in the content of what these what the individuals do. And and that's where you're going to see that analysis occur, both from the legal perspective and, and when the EEOC gets a hold of it, um, they'll be looking to see not at the job titles, but actually whether the jobs are substantially equal. So be wary of that. You can't just name people different things and think it'll be okay and you'll be able to, you know, justify it under the Equal Pay Act. Uh, so all the forms of pay that are covered by this law include, not, so it's not just salary, includes salary, but not just salary. It includes overtime pay, bonuses, stock options, profit sharing and bonus plans, life insurance, vacation and holiday pay, cleaning or gasoline allowances, hotel accommodations, reimbursement for travel expenses, and benefits. So when you are looking um, within your organization, remember those. Remember you have to look beyond just the annual salary of what the individuals are being paid. You need to look at um, all the benefits that they're receiving to make sure that people are getting that sort of equal treatment, especially if they have equal um, jobs or substantially equal positions. So, you know, we'll see what happens with this soccer case, but let's let's shift gears and talk about, about the teachers <laughs> because that's just getting started as the EEOC sued Verona Area School District for pay discrimination here in 2022 in January. This goes right along with their agenda, like I'm saying. Uh, it's never good to be sued by the EEOC. So, um, so the Verona Area School District uh, is in a bit of hot water. Uh, they serve Verona and parts of uh, Fitchburg and Madison in Wisconsin. So this is a case out of the Midwest part of the United States. And the specific allegations claimed by the EOC in the lawsuit are that the Verona Area School District violated federal law when it paid female special education teachers and a school psychologist lower wages than male employees doing the same work. See how the referencing employees doing the same work? Remember how I just said? The jobs don't have to be identical to win in one of these cases. Um, from the EOC perspective. They just have to be substantially equal. So as you can imagine, if you're defending this type of case for an employer, 
You're always looking to distinguish the jobs that may be different, pay, and show how they are not substantially equal positions um, that the two people are working. So back to the EEOC lawsuit, though, and the allegations, what they said was that since 2019 and 2020 school year, the school district had paid nine female special education teachers lower salaries than a male special education teacher. All nine had experienced compare had experienced comparable to or greater than the male colleague, but they had been making three thousand to seventeen thousand dollars less than he did. The EUC also alleged that a female school psychologist had been paid less than a male school psych- psychologist, making at least sixteen thousand dollars less per year um, from ever since uh, 2017 and the 2018 school year. So with the EOC stating this alleged conduct um, violates the Equal Pay Act, which prohibits discrimination based on sex. So I think this trend is just beginning. There's a movement, you know, to discover these pay disparities, especially coming from the EOC's part, right? I think all company leaders should take note and reevaluate individuals that have same or substantially equal jobs and ask themselves, could they explain why some individuals were paid more than others, especially in this area of gender equality? Since this teacher lawsuit is out of the Midwest, Julianne Bowman, the district director of the EOC's office in Chicago, Uh, gave a quote about them filing this suit, saying, fighting wage discrimination remains a priority for the EEOC, and that nearly 60 years after the Equal Pay Act was enacted, we continue to see that more work needs to be done to achieve the Act's mandate of equal pay for equal work. Um, And then the regional attorney of the EEOC Chicago District Office went on to say that the female employees had as much or more experience and the fact that they were paid so much less than their male coworkers for doing the same job is unfair and illegal. And that's why we filed suit to remedy that wrong. I'm going to say, uh-oh again, because I, I, I don't, I, we'll have to see what the school district comes up with. You know, I'm curious to see the arguments that they make to try to distinguish these positions um, and the vast differences in pay. I mean, you can't really just roll in there and say, look, I accidentally paid this woman $17,000 less than, you know, uh, and they're doing the same job um, as this, you know, male individual and that the, you know, woman has equal or better credentials. I mean, can you really just say that was an accident or a mistake? No, I imagine they're going to go the route of trying to say that they're distinguishing roles somehow. Like I mentioned before, look, I, I don't know <laughs> if they have a good argument because the EOC is coming for them based on um, everything that they published. But um, but that's it. I mean, we'll see what happens with the teachers and the soccer issue. But uh, for now, I'll leave you with that. And that's the legal skinny on soccer, teachers, and the Equal Pay Act. Thanks for joining me on this episode of the Legal Skinny Podcast. I would love for you to go to www.legalskinny.com forward slash review to learn the super simple way to leave me a review to tell me which topics and guests you like. 
I value your thoughts and your review helps me support more company leaders just like you to grow as a leader themselves and to grow successful teams. I also drop the link in the show notes if that's easier for you. And while you're there, check out all the other resources I have for you as a company leader. And don't forget our disclaimer to remember legal skinny is for entertainment and informational purposes only, not meant to provide legal advice and does not create an attorney-client relationship. Laws change or they differ by jurisdiction. So also remember this is not a substitute for seeking legal counsel in your jurisdiction on the current law applicable to you. Thank you.